1: Welcome to the world
0: of priesthood dispatches, where we tell your stories from the front lines of high demand religion.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the channel. Uh, we have the wonderful Maven with us this evening. Hello. um Fantastic. And just a quick date check it's the 11th of February, 2022. For anyone listening in the future, I hope things got better um, for all of us. If you are new to the channel, please like and subscribe and share with your friends wherever you feel it's appropriate. If you're listening on the podcast, hello, please leave a review and uh make sure it's five stars like you would for other people that you like if you feel that you can contribute to the podcast or to the show you can use the qr code just above maven's head or the link in the show description and a big thank you to fallen hearts who put together that awesome uh, music on the intro there and to doug and tom for your tips last week um, they were fantastic so this evening, Maven, it's got to be a little bit different. Um, being on uh, a smaller show than the the massive Mormonism Live juggernaut that uh, you're used to.
1: It's fine. <laughs> yeah,
2: you you. you it, can... it,
1: the experience is the same, I think. Yeah, you and I'm sl- excited to be here.
2: slum it for an hour, fantastic. Okay, so we've got some news. This this past week in Mormonism has been just crazy like right what's been going on uh we've we've just had so many people like grab their feet and just stick them in their mouth like they were just hankering for a lollipop but today some news came out that was the reversal of a reversal of a reversal type situation uh within the church we know a few months ago uh president nelson sent Wendy out of the room one night and got his little notepad out and he got a message from the Lord uh, canceling the Saturday evening session of conference that was um, Alternated Priesthood and Relief Society. So he totally canceled it. Three days later, uh, the Lord came back and said, uh, we kind of want to keep it, just make it a special session that isn't really that special because it's just the same okay and then today the lord has come again lucky boy and he has brought back the sisters session Woo! how do you feel about that maven
1: i mean i don't know how to feel about some of these things anymore to be perfectly honest like i just i, I do like things to be equal because they did kind of bring back i, I don't know I, I like that there's a women's session it would be nice if it was completely run by us but we of course know that the the end speaker is going to be one of the first presidency and that's going to be the main draw and, and the most attention will be paid to the man that does it so
2: yeah if we're he, honest you know he might he might do a um uh gordon b Hinckley and use it as a vehicle to announce like oh, world wow, no. changing doc uh yeah <laughs> the family yeah, proclamation that
1: was never like that he didn't consult with any of the women in leadership yeah, on as just, well.
2: Just going to ride rush right over the top of you. Okay. Well, moving swiftly on uh, this week on TikTok has been just absolutely popping because, you know, and the church should know by now that zoom in all of these meetings, like when, when I was growing up to have a camera in the chapel was like, it's like you brought Satan in your pocket with you you couldn't take a photo in the chapel even when i got married because so over here we do it in the chapel first then at the temple we couldn't take any photos of like the bride or groom in the chapel the ceremony even though it was just a random like a baptism and it was it was all really important not to have cameras in the chapel whereas now they just stick them everywhere um to their own demise because brad wilcox um yeah screwed up uh, but let's just have a quick look at what Brad had to say for us. Uh, let's make sure we get the right. Here we go. Brad, he's a good-looking guy.
0: Wilcox. Maybe some people can leave some churches, and they don't miss that much. But you leave this church, you miss everything. You miss everything. Words. If you haven't yet run into somebody who gets a little uptight, when you say this is the only true church, then you will run into somebody who will get uptight. Because they don't like that. They don't think that sounds very tolerant. How many of you used to play church? I'm glad to see a few hands go up. My kids played church. They'd pull out the stuffed animals. They'd put them on the couch. They'd sing the song. They'd do the talk. Got a little nervous when my daughter started blessing the sacrament. But... um. See, you want to walk away from the church? Say goodbye to your whole concept of God. I had some kid at BYU say to me, I don't believe in Joseph Smith anymore, but I still believe in God and Jesus. And I said, look, I don't mean to be rude, but do you realize how stupid you just sounded? He's like, what? I said, you don't believe in Joseph Smith, but you still believe in God and Jesus. You separated them. Who taught you to do that? Who taught you that they're separate beings? Joseph Smith. So don't tell me you don't believe in Joseph Smith anymore when your whole concept of God, your whole covenant relationship with him is thanks to Joseph Smith. Now you want to leave the church? Well, say goodbye to the knot in the end of your balloon. How come the Blacks didn't get the priesthood until 1978? What's up with that, Brother Wilcox? What, Brigham Young was a jerk? Members of the church were prejudiced? Maybe we're asking the wrong question. Maybe instead of saying, why did the Blacks have to wait until 1978? Maybe what we should be asking is, why did the Whites and other races have to wait Ooh. until 1829 if you walk away from this religion you lose everything
2: imagine being sat on the stand behind him
1: Oh, you know it was pointed out the, the one um is you know if we're looking at the video it's to our right uh, at the far right it seems to be really uncomfortable sometimes Mm-hmm. like he's he's touching his head too at that point
2: yeah yeah i mean we can't I, say
1: we don't know what was in his head but
2: i <laughs> i could take a good guess you know when when the the visiting you know you've you've got brad wilcox of the general young men's presidency of the whole church coming to speak to the youth of your stake and you get to be there with him and he stands up and does that because i think he was trying to be down with the kids wasn't he he was trying oh, to be yeah. like oh what's up with that for the real box and uh i think sometimes kids just see through it these days you know but... I think
1: so i mean some i don't know i was i was extremely devout and scrupulous as a teen and so i could see myself had this happened you know for me as extremely entertaining if i'm perfectly honest so i think there's some youth I definitely there's some that are probably falling for it or in line with it okay. um, but overall i would agree with you that this newer younger generation just seems way more on the ball with stuff yeah. like this and i'm happy to see it
2: yeah and I think I think brad hit maybe four for me four key points across his talk uh one that was really evident was if you leave this church you lose everything you know the knot in your balloon everything gone. Um, because apparently, Brad, you know, Brad has experience of leaving the church, so he knows what you lose. I, he can't be speaking from experience there. So I think that's a big supposition. Um, his next one, he had a, a real thing about the sisters. And I know you've spoken previously about mm-hmm. um, how you felt about, you know, the way he spoke about his young daughter blessing the sacrament.
1: Right, because I, I don't think I ever pretended to bless the sacrament. Um, but I did remember thinking, um, I mean, I, in, my, in my mind, I was thinking, bless her heart, because she still doesn't know. Now, of course, I'm sure this is a long time ago story. I, I think Brad's old enough that his children are all grown. So yeah. um, I'm assuming his daughter is, you know. build the very narrow row that she was taught to by her dad, probably. But um, yeah, I just, I remembered, I remembered when I was that girl and was still blissfully unaware, even though it was all around me, still didn't quite get it. It hadn't sunk in. And I remember the exact moment that the hammer dropped on that. So that might be a story for another day, but I remember very, very clearly that when I learned that I couldn't ever have the priesthood because I'm a girl and, and because God said so like my heavenly father, um, doesn't want me to do something because i'm a girl
2: yeah yeah but and and that's that's always going to be you know until or some some would say that joseph smith taught that sisters would have the priesthood um and the community of christ obviously have gone with that Mm -hmm. and allow the sisters to have the priesthood
1: supposedly there's a quote too from gordon b hinckley who said it could happen someday i remember that going around during the ordained women movement so, yeah. And that was something that I held on to at the time, um, because I, I disagreed with the ordained women movement and how they were doing things, because that's not the proper way, you know, we don't counsel the brethren kind of thing. But there were things that I just, I, I never did understand, never ever, just why being female, uh, you know, meant the, we couldn't ever have God's authority to do good things, you know, like give blessings of healing for the sick, or passing the sacrament, uh, just, you know, it's a, it's a sacred ordinance, so... It just never made sense to me
2: you know what it's it's totally nuts because um we had margaret toscano on the show a few weeks ago and she was fantastic and we were speaking about it and i just i felt like the church has just ignored half of their membership for almost 200 years and where would the church be now if they'd utilized that half of the membership and you know allowed them to bring their their caring, um, you know, there everyone's got different traits. Uh, to be honest with you, I I think a lot of women make better business people because very analytical and multitasking. Anyway, without getting off in those weeds, Brad. Brad, uh, go. On.
1: Yeah, no, I was just gonna say. I I know. What you mean. I think. Um, from the studies I've seen, the reason why women can often be really changing in leadership is that women generally are better at being egalitarian versus hierarchical. So when you have more women in leadership, just things really do get better for everybody else uh, yeah. at, at all levels because they care about that. And again, I, I'm not, I don't want to make a sweeping rule. There's always exceptions. You can definitely have narcissistic, power-hungry women, just like you can men who just want to rise to the top. But in general, and of course, you can have men that really do care about equality. But yeah, and the same with government. When there's more women in government, it just it, things start to become more egalitarian. So yeah. I think the church would look very, very different if it had actual power, like if women's voices had actual power from the beginning. Um, I, think, I think we would have gotten our rights. I mean, like the ERA, I think would have passed. I think we would have, you know, fought for that instead of against that. Um, and I think the LGBTQ issue uh, would be way different now because there's just so many mothers who will choose to love their child uh, and many have over the church. So yeah, I just think I think women would have gotten to the point much sooner where you know we know and we realize that this is not a choice and more compassionate. So yeah, yeah. and uh, obviously polygamy would not ever, ever, ever have happened if it was really... <laughs>
2: Could you yeah. have imagined if, if brigham had been like oh let me let me consult one of my counselors let me
1: ask.
0: yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> no it wouldn't have happen uh, okay uh, other things that brad really had like a bee in his bonnet about one was other churches and that goes back to the the playing he really wanted to set up the fact that the mormon church was the church and the, all these others are just you know they're playing church they don't have the authority they they don't have what you can have here um so i thought that was interesting and then obviously he comes down to um the real i guess kicker the one that really stood out and stuck in the craw and that was his uh blacks in the priesthood uh quote where he basically said you're asking the wrong question you should be asking why didn't the whites or other races get it until 1829 so he was he was kind of one-upping the um uh african race by saying we're worse done to because we didn't get it till 1829 Um, which i think is a really bad place to start
1: it really is (laughs) yeah yeah that's an understatement yeah, and like, you know, and, and people have pointed out, and you said this at the beginning. It's surprising that the church, you know, would put cameras up, and they, and I think I, I was thinking part of the reason is as people were sharing, like this this talk he's been given has been given over and over, and there's videos, yeah. older videos, out there. So I wonder if the church just think they can get away with it because there really is um, a Mormon bubble uh, that John DeLynn talks about, where it's just it, the information just does not pass through. Even things that make it to national news sometimes don't make it through the bubble. And so I think they just thought maybe they could get away with it because they already had been. So how, how could you have known that this time, the same talk you know that's already out there, it finally hit the fan?
2: Yeah, well, what's fantastic is that on YouTube, there is already uh, a live stream scheduled for Edmonton in, in Alberta, Canada, where Brad Wilcox will be talking to the youth this coming Sunday evening. I'm sure it hasn't been
1: cancelled? <laughs>
2: no, not yet. It's still okay. there for now.
1: <laughs> I look forward to. I really want to see it. Yeah, really, really like if it. he
2: gives the same the same talk, um, I'll I'll eat my. Oh, hat. I doubt it. I doubt yeah. he will. But okay, I need
1: well, because this, this is news to me, so yeah, to Ed- make sure.
2: Edmonton, Canada, yeah.
1: okay. Sunday
2: the twentieth.
1: I will be there. I will find a way to watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes.
2: Okay awesome uh so moving on from brad because i think we've
1: got more we've got worse <laughs> well,
2: brad brad kind of overshadowed his friend keith erickson church historian uh we know keith on the channel because we've dissected keith meticulously here on the channel but keith gave us something at a byu invitational um that kind of just turned the church on its head from what i remember growing up and from what i taught my children let's have a look what he's got
0: do not urge us to follow or imitate them we must not elevate the childhood game of follow the leader into a false template for human imitation stated another way the prophets do not teach us to follow them we often speak of our need to follow the prophet as our primary children sing, follow the prophet, he knows the way. Follow
2: the prophet, follow the prophet. Okay, I think we know without causing uh, too much trauma listening to the primary children. (laughs) Keith basically, uh, he was trying to tell people, what he usually says is, don't think about church history in a binary way. Was it right? Was it wrong? It's all in the gray and the message she was trying to get across was don't follow the prophet follow jesus which is a great message because we know that the prophets uh over time have said things that contradict one another and i think that's what it is really there's a whole road of prophets that they've driven over as they've thrown them under the bus uh and now they're saying what don't lose your testimony because of what brigham young said don't lose your testimony because of what um heber j grant said follow jesus but then follow him through the current prophet
1: i think um was that because it where it cut off um he was saying the prophets don't say to follow them so i think was he, was he saying after that they would basically we follow jesus through them i i yeah, haven't seen the he, talk the whole way through but i assume that's he, where he was going
2: he says the prophet says don't follow them they say hear him right so which is right. which is great but
1: <laughs> which is the same thing though <laughs> yeah because if you <laughs> be honest, if you yeah.
2: if you take if you take away uh, the prophet and you just say hear him then haven't you taken away the whole point of the church right so and yeah. it's
1: so funny he brought up follow the leader because that's like such a short, quick phrase. And I, I feel like anytime it, it's obvious that when you would, would say follow the leader, everybody who's ever been Mormon or had anything to do it would know that song and would think follow the prophet. It's you know, like he almost calls it to your mind by using that phrase.
2: Yeah. And ironic. I ironic. I remember, you know, even we're gonna get to missionary, but as a missionary, we were always told to model everything we did. On the brethren, the way that we tied our ties, small knots because big knots were the fashion, uh, the way that we cut our hair, the color of the suits that we wore, the types of shirts that we wore you know, everything had to be the way that President Hinckley had it and the way that his um counselors, etc., had it. So we were, you know, it was that fastidious that we had to follow the prophet in word, deed, and action, um, and. Apparently, we don't now, which is great, you know. Um,
1: yeah, I think in some ways, this is a good thing.
2: There are yeah. certain
1: things you don't want to emulate for sure.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, the final TikTok. This is one so I this found. This one to- I haven't seen. Yeah. This is the one I found today that wasn't planned to go in the show, but it pissed me off that much that it had to go in. And this one comes from a 1971 BYU production called Fat um let's just have a quick, quick look here of what we've got. It's a duet, so you've got to put up with like two of me. But the audio's done great. the
0: same thing. <laughs> I felt now, the same way she has too. At times, yeah. I felt like, well, why do I have to lose weight? You know, people, people look at me, but it doesn't really bother them. So why should it bother me? that I have to have a motivation? This is part of our commitment action approach to weight control. The girls meet weekly in therapy sessions where behavioral change is emphasized. Overweight people tend to be dishonest, inconsistent, and irresponsible.
1: What?
2: (laughs) Yes! This is why I put it in.
1: (laughs) It's unreal, isn't it? but I feel like it's really, it really goes right along with the church with just almost everything they say. There's usually no data ever to back stuff up. So, just the the audacity that leaders have, I, th- I think they just feel it feels right to them to say things. And so they do, I think partly because of the idea of priesthood and revelation. And I mean, the, what I'm thinking of is Tad Callister and the talk, or, you know, the, um, was it a, a blog post or something? I think. I think people know what I'm talking about. He he did the whole, um, it was very coded language, but it's very obviously against LGBTQ, um, yeah. basically bringing Satan back in again. And you know, just that whole talk, um, like one of the things he went into was just really kind of the right wing conservative talking points where like the government is being the husband to unwed mothers, you know, mm-hmm. and we're, we're basically causing a problem. We're basically making it okay to be, to, to be a single mother and, you know, all this kind of a stuff. And, um, and just that again, the, the very end of the, the whole point of the thing was if we, if we can turn back to traditional family values, you know, the nuclear heterosexual family, um, that all these problems in the world would be solved. But there's just, there is absolutely no data ever anywhere to support that. And all of the data is against that. But just, I just remember just thinking when I was reading that, just how easy it was for him to just throw that out there, that the problem, the way to solve the world's problems is to go back to this idea of nuclear family. And it's just not true. So it doesn't surprise me, like this, that they would just, be so bold as to say, like people who are overweight tend to be more dishonest. Like, there's yeah. just.
2: I I think what they've done like, oh. theres they've they've gone through a hundred years worth of criminal records and weighed everyone, and they found <laughs> scientifically that people with a BMI above, uh, let's say, thirty-two, tend to be bank robbers. So you know it's it's and I I I uh, I hear that there is a change to the temple recommend interview coming, and they're going to have a set of scales and they're going to have a, a BMI figure and if you're over it oh, man. You're, in, you're in trouble um, but the, the fact that it was only girls okay so it was like oh we want our women to be uh, beautiful and and the the ideal of a western you know um supermodel so it was only girls the guy who was leading it was sat back with a paunch you know he'd got a belly on him um and that the girls even in it were saying why does it matter people aren't bothered you know why why do i have to be here and the the whole video is about 20 minutes long yeah you can find it on youtube i'll post I, it on will have Facebook to watch page.
1: It. i feel like being it's, enraged
2: it's crazy just the way that they stereotype um uh, just women girls and as they've got them eating donuts you know all them shots of
1: look matilda. at these gluttonous women, <laughs> like you know matilda
2: right. the the movie matilda where there's the kid who's eating the chocolate cake and it shows you him like licking his lips and, and eating it's like that and it's all over know. his face yeah yeah they've got they've got mothers with children kind of dragging them along behind them stuffing donuts in their face and you're just like man who came up with this crap
1: there's a lot more to that i think it's even it's still on the website there's a an old enzyme article um and it was written by a woman and it was about sister missionaries and now i kind of wish that i um had looked it up uh, before because I, I brought up with you before when we were talking about this, and I don't know if we want to go ahead and, and segue into that now about yeah, Jarsim's grooming standards for let's sister for missionaries. It. Okay. So I'm trying to think where to, I mean, so everyone gets a packet for their mission um, with mission information, the general rules, something specific to your mission. And um, yeah, so this was part of my packet here. And so this was, um, so this was in 2008, or actually maybe at the towards the end of 2007 that i got this so these are the examples that i was given um and maybe i'll i don't know make some of these a little bit bigger um let's see if i can do that just to make it easier to see and so i mean even back then this is uh, a while ago now um sisters obviously were able to find more attractive ways to dress um and you know, not that the the models here are unattractive, but just that I mean, obviously, the clothing is very old-fashioned, or I mean, maybe not old-fashioned, but just not age-appropriate. Um, so yeah, so I ha- I got this, and of course, my reaction was like, Ugh. Um, but I was trying to find. You know, I did the best I could because no one you know wants to look like a dud. But um, there's some more right here, some examples and some example shoes. Um, anyway, so this is what we were given and i i learned something this was this happened in a, a special meeting i think I, I mean we can take this down or, or or keep it up whatever whatever you want um we um you know i think maybe every mission has one of these maybe not all the time but uh i think the watchers will know I, a special meeting for the elders you know the special meeting for the elders where the mission president has something that he wants to talk about with them. Um, So our mission had one, a special meeting just for the elders. It was gonna happen at Zone Conference and they were just gonna release the sisters to go home while uh, um, our mission president had a a, a man-to-man talk. And one of the sisters, um, and I love her to death, she's actually my granddaughter in Mission Speak. Um, I trained her trainer. Um, She wasn't with me or my companion at the time, but she'd heard about it. And so she, She's a feminist at heart, so she thought, you know, what if the men are gonna have their man-to-man talk, chastity talk? Because let's be honest, like that's what it is. Um, she's like the women should too, you know, women women also have chastity issues. Not that she did, but she just like if if the boys are having their talk, like we want us to have our talk too. Um, so they went ahead and did it. So so the men all met with the mission president and us sisters. We all sat with the uh, um, mission president's wife, of course, who I loved. She was an amazing, amazing person, and. Um, anyway uh, we still didn't get the chastity talk. it ended up being just uh you know just a chat session for us which made her mad it was funny she's like she really wanted us to get that chastity talk the same talk that the elders were getting um she's so funny but anyway as we were talking about things you know that she was uh, our sister i just i don't know if i should say her name or not but mission president's wife again because there's not a title for her right um One of the things she shared was about the advice that she got from the general authority when she and her husband were called to preside over the mission. And he just had one piece of advice to share with her and she shared with us. All right. And this is what he said out of all the things that he could say to her to help out the sister missionaries, what he decided to go with was, please tell the sister missionaries, that they don't have to dress so frumpy. And I, of course we all kind of laughed at it. Boo. <laughs> right, yeah, like we kind of laughed, but we all just like, and it, it's just so uncomfortable that, that I'm thinking about it. I'm sure there are a lot of really mixed feelings because, but when you're just like constantly surrounded by misogyny and and taking part in it yourself sometimes, you know, it's just, I guess sexism. Um, I don't know, you're just kind of blind to it sometimes. So we definitely didn't react positively to it, but definitely not as negatively as we should have. But I remember, um, again, it's the same sister that was talking to me about that, and she's like, She's like, well, did your packet have the same, I assume it did have the same kind of outfits as mine. Uh, and I said, yeah. She's like, those things, that's the definition of frumpy. So on the one hand, like they give us this example and they say like, this is what you should look like. This is what you should wear. And then, yeah. And then just and then just be upset, you know, that if we actually look like that. And then the second of all, just, I mean, why would that be your go-to anyway? Like, who cares if we, even if we did all look frumpy, just again, He could have said anything anything that would have been supportive for us as sister missionaries so i don't know who that general authority was or area authority that said that but i just i just want to say like eat a dick you know (laughs) you just no
2: it's it's true right Um, yeah like as a missionary we'll, we'll get to this as a missionary the sisters were always less than and there was always the there was always the thing that why were the sisters there? Were the sisters there because they couldn't get married um, or because you know they've, they've got some women in the priesthood kind of crusade going on. So Maven, why did you go on a mission?
1: Um, I'm, I'm glad you really brought this up. Um, I, can, I can explain that, but I also want to say, um, every sister missionary, at least for sure, before the age range like got dropped, um, we felt lesser all the time, and we knew going into a mission this like it wasn't a secret. You know the stigma about us, so we always knew that that was there. Um, so for me, I I think um, maybe not a crusade for the priesthood, but kind of a, a crusade of, of some attempt at feeling equal. Um, when you're in the church and you're a believer and you're female, you really want so bad to believe that you are equal, even though you don't have the priesthood. And so you really do kind of grab onto like whatever straw or carrot that gets thrown to you. So I think it was actually part of um, it was shortly after finding out like that I would never, ever have the priesthood. You know, like I could never be in a kind of leadership role as a kid that I did learn that there were sister missionaries, which I, I didn't know don't think because I had never seen any um or that I remember that I, I was I had been to Temple Square when I was really young but it just didn't register every pair of missionaries that, that in every ward that I had ever been in were always male so when I found out sisters could go I just really liked that and then of course you know there's Missionary worship like hero worship in the church, you know, they're just seen as so righteous and so spiritual Plus they're doing like the most amazing thing like they're spreading the gospel It's the most important message that anyone can ever get like again. I'm a full 100% believer. So for me, it really was like I really did want to share the gospel because nothing seemed more like holy and awesome like, of course you would want to do that and then too i did want to feel i get like a little bit of equality with the elders so even i remember a primary class where the chorister um was just gonna have like, the boys sing the second first of a song that was gonna talk about missionary work or something like that i think it was scripture power um i i can't recall for sure um so she was like well you know which of you boys are going on missions and so all the boys are raising their hands you know but like i'm like Hermione Gray during it too, you know, like, I am, I'm going to serve a mission too, you know, and they're like, well, you know, you don't have to, it's like, I'm gonna, I'm going to go on a mission. And so like, she just let it be. And I sang the second verse along with all the boys about going on a mission with, you know, this stuff. Um, yeah, so it was, that was the reason I, I, I really always did want to go. And even as I got older, um, even when I realized that there would be a stigma, I just felt like it shouldn't matter, you know, and I, and I thought that's kind of an old-fashioned thing like this is a modern day and age now like i this is in the 2000s so I'd be like I can get that that's how it was for women in the 60s or the 70s you know but like come on yeah. um yeah so and I I kind of wonder I I don't know I just I did I did know that I would be lesser and I've shared before too like uh right before I I started to that was getting ready to finally turn in my papers um that's when i was starting to get a lot of negative comments from elders just like oh, i would never i would never ever marry a returned sister missionary and that was the first time i realized that there was anything going on like that i knew there was a stigma about why that we were going cuz nobody wanted us because we couldn't find a man that was more interested in us by the old age of 21 you know but i didn't know that even if i went and came back uh that just having gone alone would be enough like to strike me off of the list of other people but in a way like it bothered me but at the same time I was like well I if that's something that's going to make a difference for a guy then I know I don't want that guy and so you know good riddance
2: well I'm going to hold my hands up because <laughs> no I said that exact thing that I wouldn't marry uh, a return sister missionary Uh, but I think I didn't really have a reason for saying that other than all the other guys around me were saying it. And I think what they, what they were getting at was that stereotype of the only reason that a sister's on a mission is because she couldn't get married or, you know, she's uh, on a bit of a a power trip or whatever. And I think they don't want to, as a missionary, you're equipped with lots of tools to deceive people. Uh, to twist situations to your advantage you know the commitment pattern which is really just a sales pattern and a way to kind of make feel that be- people feel better about doing things that they wouldn't normally do so if you have two people in a marriage you know when like you say if, if you if you're in a patriarchal system but your wife is your equal it doesn't fit you know as, right. as as elders we were all you know they blow smoke up your ass constantly uh about uh leadership and you know leading becoming leaders of men and everyone thinks as a missionary that they can be an apostle or they can be the president of the church because i'm serving a mission and i'm i'm building that career through church and what are the sisters? But there's
1: nowhere like yeah. for sisters to go. What are the sisters yeah. doing? The why.
2: why? Why are mm-hmm. they here? Why? Why aren't they just at home, like donning socks and cooking pie? Uh, so it's I I take my hat off to you because I didn't want to go on a mission.
1: Yeah, um, I want to I want to come back to that. um But before I do that, I did want to say I, I'm really glad you brought up. Basically, the elders learn how to be salesmen, and I didn't have the words for it before, but it was something that I noticed, like once I hit, you know, 19, 20, 21, and I'm seeing elders come off of their missions, I start to realize, like, they, they just know how to talk well and um, very persuasively, and they're very good at, and most of the time I felt this, like they were genuinely very spiritual, and, I, that I did also there's there were a lot of things contributing to me going on a mission but this was one of them it was a, a more of a minor role but I did kind of feel a little bit unequal and I did have I think it' just kind of a sense that if I in dating return missionaries that that they could smooth talk me I didn't have it in those words you know if that makes sense um and so I felt just a little um self-conscious and not very confident and that was like I was extremely unconfident, period, no matter what. And so, yeah, I did have a sense that, in like going into a marriage, that I was at a disadvantage and that I was lesser. So I think that was also part of going, wanting to serve a mission, was to also have that confidence and that spirituality. And then I I felt like that would make me more equal with my husband. And then actually having gone on a mission, seeing how the sausage was made, so to speak, Kind of brings the elders down just a little bit, um, and not in a bad way, but just in a human way. They're just they're just not on this pedestal anymore that maybe they shouldn't have been on in the first place. They're human beings, and yeah. and I want to say like I really loved the elders on my mission. None of them ever, except for the one that I've mentioned that I had a problem with, um, ever made me feel lesser at all or treated me weirdly. Um, the ones I served with in my districts were fantastic. And so, so I just want to be very clear about that. So these are very like general topics we're going on, but anyway, you, I still learn, you know, and, and not all elders are great. Some, some really yeah. are narcissistic, some uh, do take advantage. And so I just realized just how easy it is for, um, I guess, for these powers, these skills you're being taught on a mission to be used for wrong, to be used to basically, have unrighteous dominion to manipulate, especially an 18 year old girl, a 19 year old girl, like fresh out of high school, who's just young and trusting. And she's been taught her whole life to be looking for an R.M. priesthood holder. You know, it's just too easy. It's too easy. So I think that could be part of why some elders resented sister missionaries as well, because or returned sister missionaries, because just that that holiness, that pedestal isn't there. You did a mission, but so did I. You know how to talk the talk, but so do I. So if this is gonna work between us, like I need to see you walk the walk, also. Yeah, yeah. And you can't try to like spirit voice me, you know, into yeah. just following what you say. So I feel like that's also why some elders were like, "I don't want that," because because you would. Yeah. You, you, you can't BS a return sister missionary as easily.
2: No, absolutely, and I think that uh, when. I got in trouble when I was a zone leader because there was a sister who was older. So one of the unique things, I guess, about being a sister um, is that-
1: There's uh, no limit, age limit. Yeah,
2: there's no age limit. So for an elder, when you hit 27, you're too old to then go on a full-time mission. But sisters, you can have um, a 21-year-old young lady serving with a 60-year-old sister and you know that that whole dynamic can be difficult and there was a sister from Poland on our mission and she was probably only in her 30s but everyone kind of used to treat her like that's ancient
1: yeah exactly you know
2: she was the outside for an
1: unmarried woman yeah 30s oh my goodness
2: yeah because we were all just kids anyway um and in the area where I was only the they were in a flat that was only like half a mile up the road from our flat and they were in a threesome covering two wards and this sister was getting left out so i was i paid special attention to her and then i got a phone call from the mission president one one sunday morning saying that he's coming over to the ward he wants to meet with me and my companion after church and i'm like what's going on he sat me down and he said elder can you tell me about your relationship with sister? Da, 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 da. I was just like, I'm as only
1: help you for being nice yeah. to somebody ostracized.
2: It was because I had learned the phrase in Polish for I love you. Okay. And we used it whenever we finished, you know, whether it was a phone call or anything. And she said to me oh i feel part of the zone i feel inclusive this is this is great and it was just like uh you know like you say to someone you know i love you man but
1: i say it to friends yeah some
2: some of the other sisters in the flat had reported me to say that we were in a relationship and i said to the mission president i said you know first of all you're insulting me because I had a weird mission because I practic- I served my mission pretty much at home. Uh, and my girlfriend from when I was 16 uh, lived like 10 miles down the road from where I was serving. So I said to him, you know, I've got a car and I've got a mobile phone. If I wanted to be having a relationship with someone, I'd drive 10 miles down the road and see my long-term girlfriend, who's now my wife. Um, you know, what makes you think I'd be in a relationship with an older sister on the mission. And he was explaining about the the longer phone calls. And I was like, yeah, because she's she's covering a ward all by herself. You know, she needs support. We're giving her support. But no, I was in a relationship with her because um we were giving her some extra support. And yeah, I was I didn't like that mission present anyway. And he didn't like me after that because I kind of told him he was a jerk. And um yeah. That wow. I wasn't I wasn't gonna stop being nice to her.
1: That's brave. Or to me at least anyway. I yeah. like I I would never have called a yeah, anyone in leadership above me a jerk, like even with the experience that I had.
2: Yeah, no, he Well, I, I think
1: with that one, I think that was the breaking point where I would.
2: Yeah. But yeah. I think can I think... we go oh. on.
1: I just wanted to know, uh, or, or, you know, say your piece, but I did want to go back to you um not wanting to serve a mission.
2: Yeah, so when I was 17, my bishop cornered me. Are you going to go on a mission? No, I'm not. Um, But my dad was a convert when he was 17, served a mission. Interesting story. He he was a convert, so he, no one else in his family had ever been on a mission or been through the temple or anything. He was sent out to the mission field in bristol in england and on the first night when or there wasn't an mtc at the time so the first night everyone was gathering together and they, he said they were in a room and it was all bunk beds and all these other american kids were getting undressed and they were all wearing the, this weird underwear and my dad got undressed and he just got his boxer shorts on and they all looked at him and he's like <laughs> what you you all wear that weird underwear in america um and he'd not been through the temple before they sent him out on his mission um so he then had to go to the dry was that just an
1: oversight or they did things differently okay
2: they just missed it oops so he didn't know (laughs) anything about it and then that would have been when there was penalties and everything as well so he had to go through the temple for the first time with just his companion who he didn't know Like, going through the temple, at least if you're with someone you know, you kind of cling on to the fact that they're not freaking out, so I'm not going to freak out. But, yeah, he was just with his companion and had to go through the temple. So, poor guy. But, anyway. Can't
1: imagine.
2: I didn't want to go on a mission, but my dad had done it. Two brothers before me had done it. A sister before me had done it. So, it was kind of like just down the food chain. I was at the bottom. and it's like you say it's a sausage factory you just go through um yeah. and i've been looking at journals for a project um that i'll talk about later but looking at an mtc quote uh I, I put in here that there's only one reason to stay so i'm in the mtc having a really bad time and that that is not to disappoint anyone i don't want to be here anymore Oh. um and i, re- I remember i'm so I sorry it. i hated it like the mtc my first area my trainer was physically abusive because i'm british in the fact that i don't like touching people and i don't like people touching me he was american in the fact that he would touch me naked and wrestle me because he knew I didn't like it and he was like a jock and he'd let he'd let you know but yeah I hated it and then fortunately after a couple of months Stockholm syndrome kicked in and I got on with it but it's it's the old every time I went to the MTC president to say I'm going home uh he'd be like oh look at this quote from Gordon B Hinckley forget yourself and go to work Don't elder away. I'm like, go to work, I'm sat in a room doing jack shit, you know, how do I go to work?